Well, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the law. You say, well, why would we want to talk about the law? Well, because what happens many times in our lives is we start out by understanding and realizing that we're, we're saved by grace, but many times as we continue to walk with the Lord and we start doing good and he starts delivering us from stuff, we somehow think that it's now that God relates to us based on our performance instead of based upon the shed blood of Jesus. You know, the, the, the Apostle Paul talked to the Galatian church and he said, how is it that you began in the gospel of grace, but now you've gone back under the law? And you somehow think that now you're going to be justified by the works of the law when, when in reality you started off and you knew that you were hopeless, you knew that you couldn't make it, and, and you were saved by his grace. But now, after you've been walking with him for a while and you've, you've gotten kind of used to it, now you've gone back under the law. And you know, once it, it, we're all tempted or there's a temptation for any of us to do that if we're not careful. And the reason is because when we come to Jesus, I always, I always, you know, how I looked at myself, I always said, well, I'm just a scumbag saved by grace because I knew I was a piece of dirt. I knew I was hopeless. And it's like, I'm saved by grace. And I'm, and that's the only hope I have is I'm saved by grace. But you know, after a while, when you stop doing the bad things and you stop all those bad habits and you stop a lot of the other stuff and things, you know what happens after a while? You start going, hey God, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I stopped doing that and I stopped doing that and I stopped doing that and I'm doing this now and I'm doing that now and I'm doing pretty good, aren't I? Huh, doing pretty good? And when you get into that mode, you set yourself up for failure. Because we can never be justified by the actions or by our own works. It can't, and when we start thinking that way, we, we lose track or we lose sight of where we came from. See, the book of Galatians is all about the, the, the people of God who were saved by grace, but then they went back and they went backward. And even Paul talks about him opposing Peter when they, when, when they were ministering to the, to the Gentiles there. And then as soon as the other Jews came, Peter, oh, he withdrew and he started, you know, acting all according to the law again. He started going back under the law and Peter and Paul had this um, confrontation, let me put it that way. And um, Paul confronted Peter and said, hey, what are you doing? You're being a hypocrite. That's, he actually called him a hypocrite. He said, you're being a hypocrite. You that were set free from the law are now going back under the law and you're encouraging these people to go back under the law. So we're gonna start off with the bad news and the bad news is this. This is the bad news. If you really want to go back under the law, I'm going to read you the penalty, just a brief one here, the penalty for not keeping all of the law. Here we go. There is 53, 
And we're not going to read all 53 verses. But there's 53 verses of curses. 53 verses of curses if you don't keep every single part of the law. 53 verses of curses. I'm just going to hit some highlights or lowlights if you want to call it. It says, it shall come to pass if you don't obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, all his commandments, all his statutes that I command you today. These curses shall come upon you. You'll be cursed in the city, cursed in the country, cursed in your basket, cursed in your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your land, and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall be when you come in, when you go out, you'll always be cursed. You'll have confusion. He'll rebuke you, every, rebuke you and everything you put your hands to will fail. You'll be destroyed and you'll perish quickly. You'll be forsaken. A plague will cling to you. You'll be consumed. You'll have a burning fever. You'll have the sword scorching mildew, and you'll be destroyed. Then the Lord will cause you to be defeated, and you'll have the itch, and you'll have tumors. You'll have confusion of heart. Oh, my gosh, plundered continually. This is bad, by the way. You'll have no strength in the produce of your labor. Uh, he'll strike you in your knees and you'll have severe boils from which you cannot be healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Now that's a bad day. You'll carry much seed to the field, but you'll gather little. You'll lend, <laughs> the foreigner or the alien shall lend to you and you shall not lend to him and you'll only be a borrower. That's the curse. Ooh. Moreover, these curses shall come upon you, pursue you, and overtake you because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything that, that the Lord has done for you. Now, that's what happens if you really want to go back under the law. If you want to judge yourself based on your own performance, that's what you've got to look forward to. Okay, that's the reaction I was hoping for. You don't want to be judged based on your performance. You don't want to say, I'm pretty good, aren't I, God? Aren't you glad I'm on your team, God? That's not how we want to, because if we're, gonna, if we're going to try to justify ourselves by our actions, by our, by our performance, we're, we're all, every one of us, a hopeless failure, because that is impossible. It's impossible for any man to be justified by the works of the law. There's so many plagues, there's so many parts that are just, it, it's just ridiculous. There's 53 verses of curses for breaking the law. You know, that tells us, and God did that for a reason. He said, hey, the law was made so that people would see that there's no hope apart from the grace of God. The law was the schoolmaster, the apostle Paul says. It was the schoolmaster that brought people to a point of of utter um, hopelessness as being justified before God because the law was so specific. No one, no man, no human being on the earth could ever fulfill the law in its entirety. And if you didn't fulfill the law in its entirety, you broke the whole thing. So it, it was completely hopeless and the penalties for breaking the law were so severe I mean, I just read you just a few of them. It's, it's just, in our standards, we look at it and we go, that's absurd. What the world? How could this be? But the penalties were so severe. Everything you put your hands to fails because you won't serve him. And it was, it was a, a picture 
of the hopelessness of mankind without the Spirit of God. But there is good news. The good news is Galatians 3, verse 10. For as many as, as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it's written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things that are written in the book of the law to do them. Good, you got that. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith, yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Here's verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So, those 53 verses that I just read, so you can look at this and you can say, okay, if it's in this curse, Christ has redeemed me from this thing. That's where I'm going. So I started off with the bad news, but I'm starting to get some good news here. So when we look at this, it says, the fruit of your body shall be cursed. So therefore, the fruit of your body, we're, we're redeemed from that curse. Is, are you with me? Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. This is the curse of the law right here. It's written right in Deuteronomy 28. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a Gentile. Dutch, German, that's Gentile. That's not Jewish. Therefore, I'm a Gentile. And most of us are Gentiles. If you're by, of, of Jewish descent, then you're not a Gentile. Otherwise, everybody else is a Gentile. It's that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So this is literally, what is, I've, I've experienced this and we've done this with, with, with folks in the past. They're experiencing something and maybe some of you are experiencing something and you say, well, this is what I'm experiencing. And I would say, well, let's, let's, let's talk about that. What are you experiencing? Well, I'm just confused and I don't know what to do. Well, let's look here. It says confusion of heart is part of the curse. You're redeemed from that confusion of heart. Let's pray and believe God that God give you direction and clarity. And you can see now that this is an attack from the enemy and it's not of God. It's part of the curse. We're redeemed from the curse. So let's use that as our basis. Galatians 3.13, we're redeemed from the curse. Let's go there and let's pray. Let's stand on that, right? You with me? Let's look at another one. The boils of Egypt. Well, someone might have boils. I'm looking, okay, well, it says here there's two different places, boils. Well, let's just believe God. I'm redeemed from boils, right? Another one here, it says burning fever. All right, well, we're redeemed from burning fever. Stand on that. Say, I am redeemed. This is part of the curse. Jesus has become a curse for me. He's redeemed me. I am redeemed from this burning fever. Tumors, right there, tumors. Someone gets a tumor. First thing I do is I say, let's go look at this. Look at this right here in Deuteronomy 28. It says that tumors are part of the curse. We need to stand on that. That's one of your arsenals and say, listen, this is part of the curse. I'm redeemed from tumors. Everybody say it with me. I'm redeemed from tumors. 
See, anything in here, you are redeemed from it. So, I mean, literally, you look in here and it's like, even sowing much and reaping little, it's part of the curse. So if, if you say, well, nothing ever works out for me. Listen, you're redeemed from that. You're redeemed from being in debt. Because it says here that part of the curse is you're going to borrow, 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 and you're not going to lend. Part of the blessing says that you're going to lend and not borrow. So debt, now you can choose to be under debt, but debt is part of the curse. So we can believe God to get out of debt. As a church, we're believing God to get out of debt, to have everything all paid for. So part of the thing here where I'm going is if you can find it in here, you're redeemed from it. It's a point of contact. The, the one that I've really looked at and, and, and seen God do so many things in is this whole thing with, with tumors. Man, if there's a tumor, if you have a tumor, you look at that thing and say, I curse you in the name of Jesus. Like Jesus cursed the fig tree, you are cursed Get out of my body. You have no right to be here. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. He's redeemed me from tumors. Out of my body, out of my body now. You have no right to be here. And you do that every single day. You talk to that thing. Why? Because Christ has redeemed you from the curse of tumors. He's redeemed you from the curse of confusion. He's redeemed you from the curse of the itch. Now we say, well, what do you mean by the itch? If you have an itch that won't go away, the Bible says that the itch that won't go away is part of the curse. So you're redeemed from the itch that won't go away no matter where it is. You're redeemed from that itch. All right? That's what it says. It says that it's an itch that won't go away is part of the curse. You're redeemed from that because Christ has redeemed us from that curse. See, we earned the curse, but you know what? We're given the blessing. The only thing I've ever earned is the right to go to hell. Everything else is the grace of God. I made some decisions to follow Jesus, but even that was only because God gave the grace to make those decisions. And it's the grace of God that keeps us. It's the grace of, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man or anyone should boast. You know, Galatians 3, the 26th verse says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew or Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus if you are Christ's. Then, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So not only are you redeemed from the curse, but you're heirs according to the promises of, that God made to Abraham. Now, what are some of the promises that God made to Abraham? Genesis chapter 12 was the first one he made to him, and he said, as after he told him to get out of his country and away from his family and go to a land, he said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. That's one of the promises of Abraham. I will bless you. God says, I will bless you. So he wants to bless us because we are in Christ. I will bless you. 
I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now it says, I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. Now, what is, the, what is the context there? He says, I will bless you because I love you. And you'll be a blessing because I love those around you too. And I want you to share the blessing that I bring into your life. That's the word from God. That he wants you to be blessed. And one of the reasons he wants you to be blessed is so you can be a blessing to others. And so you can share it and so you can expand his kingdom and to really proclaim his, his goodness and his grace to those around us. See, Exodus 23, 26, it says, so you shall worship the Lord your God. He'll bless your, he shall bless, he'll bless your food and your drink. And he says, and no one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land, and I'll fulfill the number of your days. There was a, a man from church here. He moved away. Now he doesn't live in the area any longer, but he, this is probably 20, at least 25 years ago. He lived in the area. He contracted cancer. He went through the whole chemo, the radiation, and we were believing God with him, going up to the hospital with him all the time. He, he went the route of chemo and radiation. We stood with him, and, and he you know, went, went through the whole losing all the hair and doing all that, and, and he got out the other side, and he was cancer-free. And it was about a year that he went through this whole process of, of treatments and radiation and chemo and, and, and the challenges that go along with that. It was, it was a very difficult time for him. And I remember with him standing right back there in that lobby and they had one child already and him saying to me, yeah, I'm just, kinda, I'm just glad we have our one child because, you know, they said I'll never be able to father a child again because of all the chemo that, and all the radiation that I went through and, and uh, I'll never be able to have another child. And I remember going to him and saying, hey, friend, here's a verse. Look at this. It says, no one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in this land. And here's a man, he says, They've told him he's barren. They told him he cannot father a child. They've told him all these things. He grabbed a hold of that verse. You say, well, that's not for men, it's for women. Well, it was for him and he was a man. He grabbed a hold of that verse. That, that particular verse, Exodus 23, 26, he grabbed a hold of it. And about a year later, he came back and he, and he says, hey, my wife's pregnant. And God restored that which the doctors said was not possible. They said he was never going to father a child because of all the damage done to his body through the chemo and through the radiation. But yet he fathered a child. And they had that baby boy. And then they had another one after that because he grabbed a hold of the verse. What was that verse? It was a promise from God that he grabbed a hold of, that he, it was accounted to him as, as, as righteousness because he grabbed a hold of it with faith, just like Abraham. In Romans chapter four, Abraham, that's talking about Abraham. Romans chapter four, it says, what shall we say that Abraham, our father, 
has found according to the flesh. For if Abraham was justified by works, then he has something to brag about or boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited or accounted to him as righteousness. Now to him who works, see, in this particular case, he said, if you work, then your wages are not a gift. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted to him as righteousness. Just as David describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness. He says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. So he's talking here, he said that he, he received Abraham, this is verse 11, that he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of righteousness of faith, that while he was still uncircumcised, that he might be the father to all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that the righteousness might be imputed to them also. That's you and I. So that righteousness, which is of faith, we look at Abraham and we see that his righteousness was not of works. His righteousness was in faith. But if we walk in the steps of faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised, for the promise that he would be the heir to the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness, which was of faith. For if, they were, if those who are of the law are heirs, then faith is made void and the promises of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. That it's written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him who believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were, who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that he became Abraham, the father of many nations. So it was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his circumstances or his body, since he was dead, he was 100 years old, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith by giving glory to God. He was fully convinced that what God had promised, God was able to perform. Fully convinced that what God had promised, God was able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him as righteousness. But it's not for his sake alone, but also, verse 24, also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Savior, from the dead. See, Abraham had a promise from God that he was going to be the father of many nations. And he had a promise. So he grabbed a hold of that promise. His body was dead. A hundred years old, he was, it was done. It was over for him. His wife was 90. They were done. There was not going to be any children coming out of those two anytime soon, even in that time frame. But yet, he, in hope, he believed in hope, or against hope, he believed. Why? Because God told him. So when we find a promise of God, we can stand on the promise. 
When we find a promise, when we see that, hey, what I'm dealing with was part of the curse, and the promise is Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. So if you look and you see what your situation is, it's in the curse of the law, and it's all there. Man, you're redeemed from that. That's a positional, that's a positional fact. It's truth that you have been redeemed from whatever it is, whatever situation you're in, you've been redeemed from that. You're redeemed. Say, well, I've got confusion, I got strife, I got children that are off in the in the weeds. You're redeemed from that because there's that's all part of the curse. Strife and problems and having children that are, that are off in the weeds. That's all part of the curse. You're redeemed from those things. We are redeemed. But to him who does not work but believes, his faith is accounted to him as righteousness. Wow. For as many as are the works of the law, they're under a curse. They're under a curse. But see, we're not under that curse anymore. We've been redeemed. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law because Jesus was made a curse for us. I'm going to hammer this point home and say, well, this, this is so simple. Absolutely, it's simple. It's absolutely simple. You know why? Because that's how God made it. God made salvation simple. It's not complicated. Theologians have complicated salvation but the gospel is simple. Jesus died for you. He paid the price so you wouldn't have to. He bore the curse that you're experiencing right now. He bore it so you didn't have to. Now, if, if, you've, already, if you've had somebody already pay your bill, why in the world would you pay it again? Right? If your bill's already been paid, why would you pay it again? Why would you try to pay it again? I remember there was one particular person, again, years ago, you don't know these people, but there was a person that they had, they had cancer. Again, and I remember very specifically, God moved in an incredibly supernatural way, and, and they were feeling very much better. I mean, really, really better. I remember going over there and I was like, wow, God did something incredible. And they were feeling so much better. And it was like, I thought, here we go. Good, they're gonna live, they're gonna live. And then about two days later, I'm over there again, or three days some later in the week, they start talking about, well, you know, I smoked for 15 years and I, I brought this on myself and started talking like that again. And what ended up happening is they went right back into it and they died. I look at that and I go, I, I want to just jump up and down and scream and say, hello, we all deserve to go to hell. We've all done stupid things in our life. We've all sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Welcome to life. Absolutely, you deserve that. But when Jesus has paid for it, receive it. Don't go back under the law and say, well, I deserve this. 
Because the reality is, yes, you do, but so what? Jesus paid for it so you didn't have to suffer under it because Jesus paid for it already. That's where we've got to, 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 to not go under the law again. That's the law talking. When they say, well, you deserve this. I, I had a, a friend of mine who literally said that, well, I deserve this because I smoked for all those years. Well, you also de deserve to go to hell. Are you gonna go there? Of course not. So why would you accept part of the punishment for your stupidity and not all of it? Or why would you accept any of it? Because Jesus has already borne the price for all of our foolishness and all of our sin. He's borne the price for it. He paid the price. Everybody say with me, my price, my price. is paid in full. I can't do anything to pay for my sin. We don't have the right currency. The only currency that's good for paying for your mistakes or your sin is the precious blood of Jesus. It's already been shed, already been spilled, already been paid, can't be paid again because your bill is paid in full. It's got a stamp on it, paid in full. That's who you are. You have been paid for. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. We're not even our own. We've been bought with a price, the price of Jesus' blood. So we can't get into this, well, I deserve it. Absolutely. Whenever somebody says, well, I deserve it, I say, absolutely, you deserve it. So do I. Next question. Then they look at me like, well, what do you mean? Well, of course you deserve it. We all do. Next question. Get over yourself. You can't earn it. We're all falling on the grace of God. And the sooner we realize we can't earn one single thing from God by our good works, the sooner we learn that, the better we'll all be off. And realize that everything is God's grace to us. Every day that I'm alive is a gift from God. Every day. Two years ago, I almost died. Every day is a gift from God. Had a heart attack, couldn't breathe, had open heart surgery two years ago. At 50, how old was I? 53? Yeah, I'm 56 now, so two and a half years ago. Couldn't breathe, didn't know why. My arms started hurting. Next thing you know, I'm in the hospital and they cut me from here to here, <laughs> replace all my arteries in my chest. Heart didn't beat for five hours. They had me on the heart and lung machine. It was not fun. You know what? Every day, I understand that better now than most of you probably because I've been almost dead and every day is a gift and it's a gift from God. And realizing that we can't earn this. I couldn't do anything to fix myself I, had to, I was subject to the good doctors at the Meyer Heart Center and they fixed me up. And by the grace of God, I recovered. Thank you, Jesus, I recovered. But the bottom line is, life is a gift. We can't earn what God's already paid for. Now, somebody might say, well, why in the world do you have surgery? You should have believed God and had those arteries unclogged. Yeah, but I didn't know they were clogged. So I couldn't, I wasn't like, yeah, so it was too late time I was 
in there couldn't breathe. It's like kind of late to start then, you know, kind of hard to build your uh, boat in the middle of a hurricane. So I had to uh, thank God. He had the Meyer Heart Center and surgeons that were very skilled and and a good wife who stood by me and took care of me for about six, eight weeks while I was recovering and grumpy at times, and, and uh, she put up with me. So very thankful. But the point is this, every day is a gift. Every day is a gift. You're redeemed. With, if you're going through something and you have something in your life, I'd encourage you, go to Deuteronomy 28. Read the curses. You, you could probably find your situation in there and when you find it, you got to circle it and say, I'm redeemed from that thing. And take a position that says, that doesn't have any right to be in my life. Confusion has no right to be in my life. Because I'm a child of the king. That's who I am. I shouldn't be confused. If anybody should could be confused, it shouldn't be me. Because I'm a child of the king. That sickness doesn't have a place in my life. Because I'm a child of the king. Because he bore all those things for me. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. That's one of the positions that we take. So as we, as we wrap it up tonight, I just want, that's what I wanted to just bring up today and just say that, listen, in your situation, whatever it is, I want to encourage you, take your position your position is that you are redeemed from the curse of the law. You're redeemed from this thing. It has no right to be in your body, and it needs to get out. Whatever it is, it needs to leave. And that's all there is to it. Period. Done. It needs to leave, whatever it is. It has to go. It needs to leave. So let's, let's just close in prayer. Wondering today if anybody here has been in a position where we started off in grace and you started off knowing that you had to fall on the, the grace and the goodness of God. And then over the years, you, you know, you started doing better and you started, you know, having some success in your life and got free from some things and man, you don't smoke anymore and you don't drink anymore and, you know, don't chew or run with those that do and all that stuff and you started getting, you know, all cleaned up and you started kind of having confidence in, in your own ability to, to do and to follow God. And the reality is that's setting ourselves up for failure when we do that, when we, when we, get away from understanding that it's by the grace of God that we're saved. It's by his grace. It's not of anything we've done. Because most of the time what happens is as we're in that place, the Bible says that he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble and pride goes before a fall and that's a form of pride and it usually is that, that type of attitude is usually preceded by a pretty major failure. And then uh, we have to fall on the grace of God again. So today, if there's anyone here that says, you know, that's me. I've just experienced some failure in that area. And uh, I need the grace of God. If that's you, just lift up a hand. I'll let you right where you are. We're just going to pray. 
We're just going to pray with you right now. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we thank you that you give grace to the humble. You resist the proud. And Father, we just fall upon you and upon your grace. And we ask you to forgive us. We repent from being self-righteous. We repent from thinking that we can make it on our own. And we realize and we just declare that it's only by your grace that we're saved. It's only by your grace that we are kept. It's by your grace that we are walking with you. So, Father, we ask that you just extend grace to us. And we repent from pride. We repent from self-righteousness in Jesus' name. Now, I, I, I feel like I want to, I feel like I, I, I need to just stop for a second and have people look up here. If you are in a situation and you say tonight, this thing about the curse and this thing about redeemed from the curse, I have a situation in my life that this applies to that I haven't really thought about this and applying my faith in this way before. Um, I feel like we need to activate this, okay? And so as part of this activation, if that's you and you say, you know, I have a situation and I believe that my situation is the curse in action in my life. And now I see that I'm redeemed from the curse and I want to just seal this thing up and put this thing out of my life. If that's you, I I just want to just a show of hands, just quick, just throw them up there. And when we're going to pray together and say, I got a situation that's part of this curse thing. It's part of it. So just lift a hand if you would. Lift a hand all over the place. All right. Okay. Those that are around, you you don't have to go over to them. Just extend a hand toward those that have a hand up and we're just going to believe God. Okay. Those that are around them, just put a hand toward the other person's point of contact, and we're just going to speak life over these situations. Father, we thank you that you've identified the activity of the curse in action in these lives. We thank you, Father, that the light's been shown on the enemy's activity. And we thank you, Father, that by the authority and the name of Jesus and by his blood, we command the operation of this curse to stop according to Galatians 3 that declares Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from every situation involving the curse. And he's because cursed was Jesus when he hung on that tree. So we thank you. We agree together. And we thank you, Lord, that we are redeemed. That these with their hands raised, they're redeemed from that situation because Christ hung on the cross and became a curse for them. He fulfilled all the righteous requirements of the law. Therefore, in Christ, they have fulfilled the law in Christ. And in Christ, we can go to the first part of Deuteronomy 28 that says you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed with the fruit of your body, blessed as you come in, blessed as you go out. Everything you put your hands to will prosper. You will lend and not borrow. 
Father, your word declares in the first part of Deuteronomy 28 all the wonderful blessings that come on obedience. And Father, today, because of the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ, we have access to those blessings, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus did for us. So positionally, we have fulfilled the law in Christ. So we are entitled to the blessings that are in the first part of Deuteronomy 28. And we are redeemed from the adverse impact of the last part of Deuteronomy 28. We thank you for it, Father, and we speak blessing peace, healing. Strife can't stay in our homes because we are redeemed from that strife spirit. We are redeemed. Christ has redeemed us. The blood of Christ, Colossians 1.20, says that the blood of Christ made peace among all men. So we come against that spirit of strife and we declare the blood of Christ that makes peace in homes. The blood of Christ that makes peace in homes. We thank you, Father. Colossians 1.20 declares that through the blood of the cross, he has made peace. Not only between God and man, but between men. So we thank you for relationships restored, recovered, families recovered, We thank you, Father, for your goodness and your grace. Thank you, Father, for your goodness today. Thank you that you have redeemed us from the curse of the law. Thank you that you made Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for bearing that curse for us. Thank you, Father, for your goodness today. We go out of this place victorious. We leave this place filled with hope because you are for us. And if you're for us, who can be against us? We leave this place and we exit this place tonight filled with anticipation of what you're going to do in our lives. We leave this place tonight filled with hope that, that we, are, we are your children, that you love us and you don't impute our sins against us, but you've forgiven us. We're cleansed, made whole. We're part of your family. We're your beloved So we thank you, Father, for your word of encouragement tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.